The kingdom of God was like a treasure hidden in a field. And the man was going to sell everything that he had to buy that field, but it was snow, there was snow on the ground and it was cold outside, so he said, I'll wait till next Sunday. That's the picture of the church, isn't it? A lot of times it's like, oh, yes, praise Jesus. I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. I will take up my cross. If it means that I will go outside and they will nail me to a board, then I am good with that. But when it comes to being at church on Sunday, it's kind of cold outside and there's snow on the ground. Therefore, I do not think that I'll be able to follow Jesus today. I can't follow him to church on Sunday. I'm sorry, I can't do that. We, I mean, I'm not putting down the church. I'm not putting down people. I'm just telling you that is what we see. And, and if you don't believe me, all you got to do is look around. I mean, really, all you got to do is look around. You could go to any church in this county and you'll see a lot less people. You'll see a lot less people because there is snow on the ground and because it's cold outside. It was some 21 degrees or something. And I went outside in short sleeves this morning and scraping snow off my car and all that. And I got to thinking, I said, there will be a lot of people that will not be at church today. There will be a whole lot of people that will not be at church today because it's cold and because they may have to put on a jacket in order to be here. It's terribly disturbing. It really is. So we've been in this series um, called Act, and we're looking at the books of, book of Acts, and we see this unstoppable church, man. We see, I mean, God just doing things and people just doing whatever it takes to follow Jesus and like they're on board. And, and you got to remember that where we are in this particular time is that Jesus has been killed, because he said he was the son of God. And now you got all these people that are now saying, yeah, I believe that Jesus was the son of God. Therefore, if you want to kill me because I believe that, then so be it. And what do they do? They go around preaching Jesus. Are they afraid of dying? I see no indication that they're afraid of dying. I, 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 see, I, I see in chapter 3 of the book of Acts, I see Peter and John going and Peter heals a, blame, a, a lame man on the outside of the temple. He's, they're going to the temple. As they regularly do, and, and they're, they're talking with all these people, telling them about Jesus Christ. People are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And this guy says, hey, can you give me some money? And, and Peter says, you know what, I don't have any money to give you, but what I will give you, I give in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And the guy gets up and he walks. Freaks everybody out. Everybody's losing their mind. Like, how does he do that? What, what, what power is he able to do that? And what does Peter do? He says, Jesus Christ, man, it's not me. It's the power of Christ, the same power that, that, that rose Jesus from the dead. That's the power that gives me the ability to be able to do that. And, and he doesn't stop talking about Jesus. Peter, don't you know that they could kill you for saying that? Don't you know that's why they killed Jesus? Because he was the son of God. They, he said he was the son of God. And now here you are preaching that he was the son of God. Don't you know that they will kill you for that, man? Peter's like, yeah, I, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's not the picture of comfortable church, is it? it? I mean, like, we don't put our lives on the line to come to church. I mean, we, to talk about Jesus and to, to, to pray together and to come together as believers and talk about Jesus Christ. I mean, like, rarely are we putting our lives on the line. And these guys were doing it every single day. And we wonder, why is the church, man, why is this church so complacent? Why are things not happening in the church? And why are things not moving? And why are people not... Not just giving up everything to follow Jesus Christ. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We're a product of our environment here in the United States of America. And I, I mean, we can overcome that. 
We can overcome that. You know, it's easier for a rich man to go through an eye of a camel to go through an eye of the needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But with God, all things are possible. So what I'm here to tell you today is that there are a lot of people that are comfortable, things are easy, and therefore they don't seem to need Jesus. And that is what you see in the American church a lot. You don't see a reliance on the Holy Spirit because they're not putting their lives on the line in such a way that they have to rely on the Holy Spirit. Therefore, they're just walking around saying, I went to church on Sunday, I'm good, man. Whew, I did my, duty. did my duty for this week, I'm good. I'll be back next Sunday, I might bring a friend. Jesus loves me, this I know, right? I know, man, is that the picture of what these guys were doing? Is that the picture of what Jesus calls us to do? He says, go to the end of yourself. If you don't hate your brother, sister, mother, dad, if you don't even hate yourself, then you're not worthy of being my disciple. And yet, man, we're so complacent. We're so, you know what's weird is uh, I've been to Haiti uh, twice now, and you want to talk about prayer requests. So you, you go to Haiti and you ask somebody who's a Christian. I'm not talking about a non-Christian because they don't really get it, okay? So they're just trying to understand things. So I'm talking about a Christian that goes to church or you talk to a pastor and you say, what can I pray? What can I pray about for you? How can I pray for you? What is your prayer request? Now, I guarantee you, if we went around this room today and said, what is your prayer request? We would have lots of prayer requests for people that are, that are i got a family member that's sick. Um, you know, I'm going through financial struggles right now. I've got a broken relationship in my family. I'm just praying that that'll get healed. And, 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 I mean, we could go, and we would hear those kinds of things, right? That's the kind of things that we, we lift up as prayer requests. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, okay? But I want to tell you the kind of prayer requests I get in Haiti. So I, I'm talking to people that are Christians. I say, what can I pray for you about? Because these are people that are drinking out of a ditch. These are people that are living in a hut with no, no roof on them. If they're living in a hut with plastic around their hut, then, then that's a nice place for them to live. That plastic has been there for 10 years now, and they're excited about the fact that they have plastic around their house. And you ask them, what can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? What can I pray about for you? And this is the kind of answer you get. I had one guy look at me. He said, pray this. Pray this that I'll be so deeply consumed with the Holy Spirit that I will not quit and I will continue for the cause of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, well, that's not exactly what I expected you to ask for prayer for. I thought maybe, surely, you know, your child that has an eye disease or, you know, the fact that you don't have any shoes, you know, maybe one of those would be your prayer request. No, that's not it. Just pray that I will continue on for the cause of Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit will be so real inside of me that I will not quit. I don't get those kind of prayer requests around here. And, and, and what's bad is we got everything that we need. We got the shoes, man. We, we're not drinking out of a puddle. We're drinking out of water fountains. And those people are praying for the Holy Spirit to be so real in their lives that God will use them. I, I'm not talking about this as one isolated incident. I'm talking about this is the pattern you would see over there. And if you go to Haiti, you would see exactly that. You would see these people, man, I just want to be used by God. And I'm like, where is that? Where is that in the American church? We're missing that. I, I think that, I, look, y'all, we need to, I'm, you need to understand, I'm not down in the American church. I'm not. But I'm telling you, we're lacking perspective right now. We're so out of whack with our priorities, we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. And part of that is because we've got things so easy here in, in this comfortable environment that we live in. And it's, it's killing us. It's killing us when we talk about following Jesus Christ. I mean, do you realize 
You, you realize, I'm talking about myself here. If the batteries are out in my remote, it'll almost bring tears to my eyes. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if you ever felt that way, like I have a remote control that controls my TV so that I don't have to get out of my recliner. And now I might have to get up and go to the cabinet and get some batteries so that I can put batteries back in my remote control so I can control the TV. That has hundreds of channels on it, by the way. And I'm just terribly upset because the batteries are dead in my remote control. We live in an environment where we want everything now. And we want it so easy. We don't want anything that's difficult. We don't want our children to have to endure anything that's difficult. By the way, parents, right? We just we want our kids to always have it easy. Now, we do it in the namesake of going, well, I want them to have it better than I had it when I was a kid, right? I don't want them to have to endure anything difficult. I don't want them to have to struggle like I struggled, right? That's what parents say. That's what we say. I want my daughter to struggle. I want my daughter to struggle because I guarantee you she'll learn more from those struggles than she ever will from having things go easy. Now, I didn't anticipate that she would have to see her sister pass away. Am I thankful for the fact that she had to endure that? I am. I am. And I know that sounds crazy. But I'm telling you, it has made such an impact on her life. It has given her such a perspective on Jesus Christ. And I am thankful for it. I am thankful for it. Do I wish that could have happened another way? Sure I do. I absolutely do. And I would give anything. I'd give my own life in order to be able to have that happen for her. But I'm telling you, it's the way God chose it. And that is exactly what's going on in her life. She can, she can see a whole new perspective on Jesus Christ. And I, I'm not doing that to brag on my daughter. I'm just telling you, man. I'm just telling you... I, we want to learn things like through easy, like sitting in a, a comfortable chair, sitting here where the, where the heat is warm and it's cold outside, and, and we want to learn things that way. I promise you, I promise you, I can teach you more about Jesus Christ if you and I will go on a street corner and talk to some homeless people and get them some food in a sleeping bag. But this, this is a lot easier, and we want easy. Our, our minds and, and our bodies, we crave easy. And in this world that we live in, easy is, is what we have. So, man, we embrace it full on. And, and what these guys did is they had it hard. And they, did, they didn't ask for God to make it easier for them. That's what we're going to see in, in, in Acts chapter 4. So Peter and John, they, they've been here. They've been at the temple, and this guy gets healed. Peter heals this guy, tells him to get up and walk. And the dude's walking, and, and they get taken in front of the Sadducees. And, and the problem they have is they ask these guys to go, okay, so what, under what authority, under what power were you able to do this? You know, because we're trying to understand, because we know that this guy was lame and now he's walking around and we know that something has happened. How are you able to do this? So Peter is, is up there in front of these guys. Now I'm going to summarize the first part of chapter four because we're going to read the second part of chapter four. So just hang with me for a second. So Peter's up in front of these guys and he says, you know what? It's Jesus Christ. That's how we're able to do it. Now, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ is the one that was killed because he said he was the son of God. And now they're saying that it's the power of God that existed through Jesus Christ. And that's the reason they're able to do this. That it's the power of Jesus Christ. Well, that doesn't sound like it would work out good for them, does it? I mean, couldn't they have said something else? Couldn't they have said, well, it was the power of God. And I think the Sadducees would have been like, oh, okay, that, that's, that's good, man. Yeah, good stuff. Maybe you should enroll in the, the Pharisee or Sadducee intern program or something. 
You know, they could have said that, but instead, what did they say? They said, no, it's Jesus Christ. Not only did they say that, they doubled down on it and say, not only is this Jesus Christ, it's Jesus Christ, the one that you nailed to the cross and killed, that guy, that guy. Peter, what are you doing, man? You are like tying your own noose right now. Why are you doing this? Because he doesn't want the credit to go anywhere else than where it belongs, and that is Jesus Christ. He's making it harder on himself, not easier on himself. I mean, he's sitting there preaching to these people, telling them that not only, I mean, he triples down. He actually goes even further beyond that. Besides saying, Jesus, you know, the one that you killed and hung on the cross, that guy? They also go on to say, he's the only way to salvation. Do what? Do what? And they start talking about how he's resurrected. And they start talking about how Jesus is the way to eternal life and life after death. And you understand that the Sadducees are the ones that didn't believe in life after death. Did you know that? There's Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious you know, kind of jerks of the day or whatever, all wrapped up in their religious external way they looked and all that kind of stuff. Well, the Sadducees, one of the things that differentiated them was the fact that they didn't believe in life after death. Thus, they were sad, you see. That's how you can remember that, right? Sad, you see. Okay, so sorry. Some of you are like, what's he talking about? So, so here they are. They're telling everybody, they're saying, Jesus Christ. And people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ as a result of that. I mean, these guys are up there preaching Jesus Christ. And these people are coming to believe in Jesus Christ as a result of what these guys are saying. And it's driving these folks crazy. It's driving the religious leaders of that day crazy. And they throw them into jail. And, and, then, and then they bring him out and put him in front of the council. And they ask him, well, how are you doing this? They say, Jesus Christ. And they, they're like, well, I don't know what to do with him, man. I don't know what to do. And these, these are ordinary guys, and they're preaching with such boldness. They're coming to us saying, it's Jesus Christ. And they say, we command you, don't be doing that anymore, you know? And I'm sure they're thinking, well, this ain't going to end up good for us if we continue to do it. You know what would happen if this was somebody like in today's time, and they were preaching Jesus, and they were talking about Jesus, and they were thrown into jail, and they were kind of harassed about it, brought in front of a jury and said, you can't be doing this anymore. Everybody would say, well, that must be a roadblock. That must, this must not be what God wants for me. God just put up a brick wall. He closed that door. Therefore, I need to go and do something else, maybe travel somewhere else. Maybe I'm supposed to preach the gospel somewhere else. We said, God just closed the door. You know why? He cl- I think he closed the door. It's because Because it's not easy. So a road that God has called me on must be easy, right? (laughs) How sacrificial is it if the road is easy? How much faith does it require if the road God has called you to walk down is easy and smoothly paved? And you're not going to trip, you're not going to fall, you're not going to get on your hands and knees and crawl and skin your knees and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't require any faith at all. If the road is perfectly smooth and the door is wide open. See, what I think that these guys saw is this is an opportunity. The people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and that's what matters most. It doesn't matter the fact that we are being persecuted as a result of what we're preaching. What matters is that people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And we said, what are we missing today? What are we missing today? Just that straightforward focus right there. That no matter what the obstacles, no matter how difficult it is, no matter what the struggle, if people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ, if God is glorified by what we're doing, then that is good enough. And, and, and we have a tendency to, to look at all the other stuff, all the bad stuff, and say, oh, well, that must be the reason why I'm not supposed to do this. 
These guys, this was an unstoppable church. Most of the churches we see in, in our area and in, in the United States today, they're pretty stoppable, right? These are people who are so convinced that what they're doing is the calling of the Holy Spirit of God that they are not shaken by anything. Doesn't matter what you threaten them with, doesn't matter how many times you throw them in jail, they're still going to do it and they're not going to back down. And they say, well, you got to do this or we're going to put you in jail. They say, should we be afraid of you or should we be more afraid of God? We know what we've seen, we know what we've experienced, we knew it was the power of God, so we're not backing down because we are more worried about God than we are about you. And we have obstacles like the weather that will keep us from doing things in the name of Jesus Christ. We'll, we'll, we'll stop dead in our tracks and say, I'm not going to do this because it's raining, because it's cold, because so-and-so got mad at me and I got upset. Because they changed the church service times. There's no way I'm coming to church. Or, or because we don't have a drummer. Well, the church service, the, the, the worship time isn't as lively as it once was. There's no way I can follow Jesus in a church like that. I, I'm so thankful. I really am. I'm thankful for the difficult things that come across our paths. The, the, the trials. and I, you, know, you say, well, we don't really have any trials here at Simple Church. Yeah, we do. Um, we don't have as many as some do. And what we consider to be trials are, are not what a lot of people would consider to be trials. But I'm telling you, I'm so thankful for I'm so thankful for uh, even, even the, some of the people that, that want to talk negative about us. That's cool, too. I don't know if you knew this or not, but a lot of people talk bad about the church that these guys were a part of. I'm okay with that. I really am. So let's look in the rest of chapter 4, what these guys, what the believers prayed for. I'm going to back up in chapter 4 to verse 21 first, and then I'll read that, and then I'll go on to verse 23. The council had threatened them further, but finally let them to go because they did not know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of the man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Verse, four, verse 23 says this, As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they had heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in a prayer to God. So, by the way, the first thing they did was pray. Typically, this is one of the last things we do. We try to fix our, our stuff on our own and we try to say, well, well, maybe we should go to another town and maybe we should do it over there and, and, and all that. And then we'll pray, all right, God, we're in a different place. This is a lot easier here. Uh, we're not un enduring any kind of trials here. So this is better. Now, God, we want you to get on board with our plan. And then we start praying. God, I've, I've taken that other job. I, I've, I've gotten out of that place. I felt like, I, you know, I just, I couldn't go on anymore. I couldn't, couldn't hang in that job anymore. So I got out of that place, and now I'm in this other job, and God, I want you to bless it. God, get on board with my plan. And maybe the plan was from the beginning that God never wanted you to leave that job because maybe there was a, a, something for you to accomplish there. Did you pray to God and ask God, should I stay in the midst of this difficult situation so that you might be able to be glorified and people might come to Christ as a result of my suffering? You ever think that way? These believers come together. I say, well, the first thing we got to do is pray. You've been persecuted. They're threatening you. They let you go for a little while, but if you keep doing this, probably something bad's going to happen to you. So they get together and they pray. Listen to what they pray. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Now, this is a prayer. 
creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, and the Gentiles, the people of Israel, were united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. They're saying, here's the situation we're in. They're acknowledging before God. First of all, you see, I mean, I'm not going to say that these are like steps for a prayer or this is an outline for a prayer, but look, look at what they said. I think it's important for us to see this. They acknowledged who God was. Oh, sovereign Lord. Sovereign. Complete control over everything. Nothing slips through the cracks for him. Okay, He knows everything. He's in control of everything. And they acknowledge that from the very beginning. Oh, sovereign Lord. Lord, meaning someone we submit to. Someone that is in control. Someone that is in power. They say, oh, sovereign Lord. And they talk about his creation and how glorious it is. And they talk about, they go on to acknowledge the problem. That the world is united against Jesus Christ. And therefore they know that the world is going to be united against them if they preach Jesus. And that's what they say. That's what their prayer looks like. In this very city. This is where it's happened. Verse 28. But everything he did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats. And give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. This is what they didn't pray. They didn't pray, God, I pray that you will take us out of this difficult situation and put us in a different town where it's a lot easier. God, I want you to to take these people that are being difficult and rising up against us, I want you to do away with them. I want you to somehow change their hearts so they aren't against us anymore. I want you to, if if it takes you wiping them off the face of the earth, then so be it. I just, I feel like this is what God's called me to do. Therefore, I need you to do something about these people that are obstacles in this calling. That's not what they prayed for. That's not what they prayed for. They didn't pray for less persecution. You know what they prayed for? Great boldness in preaching the word. They prayed for great boldness in preaching the word. They said, God, give me the courage to run against the grain. Give me the courage to do what you call me to do in spite of whatever obstacles come in my way. Is that the way we pray? Or do we pray, God, please remove the obstacles so that the path is smooth and the going is easy? We pray. In in the time that we live in, the place that we live in, we pray all the time for things to be easier for us, don't we? We pray all the time, God, make it easier. This life that I'm in, it's difficult. Let me tell you something. There's only a handful of people that life will be difficult for, okay? And that's anybody that's a human being. It's going to be difficult for everybody. It will be more difficult if you are a Christ follower. Because you will automatically be going against the grain of the world. I don't want to stand up here and tell you that if you follow Jesus, then things will be easier for you. I want you to truly count the cost of being a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And there are so many people, in particular on TV today, that want to tell you that if you follow Jesus, things are going to be easier. 
things are going to be easier. Now, I want you to understand, when you become a Christ follower, things are easier, but not in an earthly sense. Things are easier in an eternal sense because you have an eternal security that says that no matter what happens on this earth, no matter who kills this body, I have an eternity that will go on to live in the presence of my Lord. Therefore, everything that I have to experience here on this earth is joy. As a matter of fact, if I undergo persecution, if I undergo difficulties, then that just means I get to be more like Jesus because of how he suffered on the cross for me. And it just gets to remind me of his pain and his suffering. And man, I just love the fact that I get to be a part of that and I get to see that. But that's not the mentality we have, is it? We just want things to be easier. We don't want the batteries to go out in the remote. Man, how in the world could that happen, you know? How in the world can a loved one die? God, I thought that if I followed you, that like you would, you would heal all the people around me and I wouldn't have to endure death of somebody I care deeply about. I, th- I thought that you would, you would fix some stuff around me. I, I thought that maybe my financial struggles had worked themselves out and, and, and then that I would be able to, to follow you more closely as a result of you fixing that situation in my life. Why do we pray like that? Am I saying you shouldn't pray for healing? Am I saying you shouldn't pray for God to, to help you in your finances? I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's okay to pray for that. What I'm saying is it's, it's not okay to stop following Jesus because those prayers don't get answered. You need to take a firm look at that situation and go, maybe God's got me here for a reason. And maybe the reason is so that I will fall more deeply in love with him and I will be more committed to his message and his gospel and following him. The ultimate goal is to be closer to Jesus. Not for you to be rid of your problems. The ultimate goal is for more people to come into the kingdom. Not for your life to be easier. But that's not what a lot of people are preaching. You know why? Because they like to have pews filled up. They like to have a large number of crowd. They like to have a lot of people and paying a big tithes so that they can have big buildings. I mean, I hate to tell you that. And there are some people that have big buildings and they have big salaries. And that's true. That's true. I, I mean, I, I don't want to get on pastor salaries. I'm not going to talk about that, okay? Uh, as much as I would like to, I'm not going to at this point in time. But I'm just going to tell you this, that there are some that are motivated by money. There are some pastors that are motivated by money. You know that I'm t- telling the truth here, right? I will say one, okay? Elevation Church in North Carolina. Stephen Furtick's house that he had built, I think it's $1.78 million. It reeks of humility, right? Well, that must be a really humble dude. You know what I would challenge Stephen Furtick to? I, I mean, maybe he's listening to my podcast and maybe he's, uh, he's so moved by my words. So burn that sucker down. Burn that sucker down and go live like the people that are in your congregation. Stop taking a salary and do what you're doing in the name of Jesus Christ, saying, I don't need that salary anymore, thanks. That would be my, that would be my challenge to Stephen Furtick. If you're doing it in the name of Christ and you're so committed to following him, go do it for free. Go do it for free. Get yourself a J-O-B. Get out there in the world. I don't think, I don't think most of these guys are willing to do that, though, do you? You know what? Easier lifestyle. Bigger house, more hot water heaters, bigger showers. 
telling you, it's a trap that anybody can fall into, including pastors, including people that, that are claimed to be followers of Jesus Christ. Anybody can fall into that trap. And I'm telling you, money is a terrible, terrible motivator and is a terrible, terrible corruptor of people, including pastors. He says, but everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. He said, all these people were supposed to come against us. They were supposed to come against Jesus Christ, and that was your will. How often do we say that? The struggles, God, that was your will, and I'm so, so okay with that. I just want to pray for more boldness. He says, and now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power, your miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This is what they say. (laughs) God, I pray that more miracles would come. I pray that more miracles would come so people would see your power even more. They didn't pray that things would get easier. Maybe, you know, God, maybe we can do the miracles, but we could do them in private, maybe. Maybe, maybe the, the miracles would come, but we could do it in such a way that maybe we wouldn't be persecuted. They said, no, God, we want you to bring more persecution because we want more miracles to happen because more people come to faith in Jesus Christ as a result. That's the reason we want it to happen because ultimately the kingdom is what's most important. And that's what they pray for. Give us boldness. And God, you come even more powerfully than you came the first time because we want Jesus Christ to be glorified. We want people to know this power and then we want them to know where it came from. So after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. You know, there's sometimes in my life where uh, I feel inclined to Take it easy. I feel inclined to try to, to make pe- people feel better because I want more people to come in here. I have a tendency to want to, to have more friends and have more people that like me as opposed to having more people against me. I have a tendency to even taper some of my messages sometimes and the things that God has called me to do. I have a tendency to, 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 to move back from those sometimes because I want more people in the seats. And I believe that to be a sin. I believe that to be a sin for me. It's when I, when I back down, when I don't preach with boldness, when I look for the persecution to go away, when I ask God to just take away the struggles and the difficulties. I believe that, that we need to sit down and we need to acknowledge that, man, the struggles have come from God. Just like the, the path has been led by God and for God and to God, the path has been set out there, then he is sovereign in every single thing, then he is sovereign in our struggles. And we don't need to pray against those. We just need to pray that God will make us bold in the midst of those struggles instead of an easier path, instead of an easier path. Some of you have some real heartache going on in your life right now. Some of you have got friends, family, people you love that are struggling with some serious illness. Some of you have got some real broken relationships. You've got some, some people that are maybe family members or, or people that, that, that were really close to you at one point in time and now they stabbed you in the back. And, and you used to be more bold for Christ, but it seems like the weight of the world has kind of squashed you a little bit, hasn't it? 
It's kind of weighed down on you and it's become more difficult to, to follow Jesus Christ more fully because you're like, man, it's just so heavy. When I was following Jesus Christ, man, I was close to him, but then it just got too heavy. It got to be too much work. Maybe that's exactly what it was supposed to be. Maybe where you are in the place that you're in, maybe it's supposed to be difficult. I mean, look at the difference. Look at the difference. I think that if things would have been easier for the, for the followers of Jesus, then they wouldn't have been so united in prayer right here as they were praying, God, give us boldness. They had to pray for boldness because they were in a place where they had to be bold. My prayer for you is that you'll be in a place where you have to be bold. And my prayer for you is that it will be difficult so that you'll have more faith and you'll be bolder in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that your prayer? Is that what you desire? Is you want God to be glorified above all else because you have an eternal home that is beyond any struggle that happens here on this earth? Is that your prayer? Let's pray. Father, God, you've spoken to us. God, the Peter and John in this particular example, God, they preached with great boldness. And they did it in spite of the fact that they knew that they were going to be persecuted as a result. They've been threatened. They've been thrown in jail. And they were okay with that. They didn't pray for the threats to go away. They just prayed that they would be more bold. Father, I just pray that we would do that. God, we'd seek out those opportunities to go to places like Haiti where we can sit down in the dirt and pray with people. I pray with people that are drinking out of a ditch and they can help us have perspective on life when they pray for more boldness. And they pray for greater movement of the Holy Spirit in their churches and in the place that they live. God, I pray that we would we would have boldness to go into those places. God, you're so good to us. God, even in the midst of the difficult times, you're good. So Lord, I just pray right now as people lift up the name of Jesus Christ, whether they're singing and praising you or whether they're falling down on their knees in prayer, God, whatever the case, Lord, I, I pray that you wouldn't make things easier for them, but that you would give them great boldness. Father, this is about you and your kingdom. May it always be about you and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone stand.